Welcome to the Rider Up Podcast, where we talk about how much we love bicycles. Dan's a crazy downhiller, and John will be walking with a cane in a few years. But nobody loves cycling more than these two. Coming to you from Virginia's Blue Ridge, let's meet the hosts, Dan Lucas and John Carlin. Hey, I'm Dan Lucas. I'm a mechanic. I love riding downhill and I love coaching kids. I'm a dad and just a cycling junkie. All right, and I'm the same. I'm John Carlin, the co-host of the Rider Up podcast, a baby boomer, and I ride mountain, road, gravel bikes, and my wife's Peloton. And uh, you can follow me at Sark Fighter uh, on Peloton, by the way. Also, I'm a blogger, a YouTuber. And uh, in my real job, I'm a professional journalist and a board member for Virginia's Blue Ridge. But Dan, we have such an exciting opportunity today with our guest. Absolutely. Uh, Nicola Cranmer with Team 2024 is here, and we get to pick her brain about everything uh, from past to present to future, what Team 2024 has going on and what we're going to, you know, can expect to see. But Nicola Cranmer, Team 2024, she is the person who essentially selects, trains, and places American women on the Olympic team. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity for us. She lives here in Virginia's Blue Ridge, which is wild, and she's chosen it to be her location, her uh, base of operations. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic opportunity. And so she's going to talk to us about why she came to Virginia's Blue Ridge. She's going to tell you listeners all about the riding opportunities here, and then we're going to learn about the team, and we're going to ask her about she has a person on this team who was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to be a part of, to hear her stories, and to uh, kind of get that firsthand knowledge from her of what some of these women are are going through, have gone through, and expect to achieve. It's, it's pretty awesome. All right, so our interview with the Nicola Cranmer is coming up next here on the Rider Up podcast. We'll get back to the Rider Up podcast in just a moment. But first, a quick note about Virginia's Blue Ridge. You'll hear Dan and I talk a lot about Virginia's Blue Ridge in the podcast because that's where we live and ride. Virginia's Blue Ridge offers what we lovingly call a Metro Mountain Mix, a place where you can play in the mountains while enjoying the arts and culture in and around Roanoke, Virginia, home to many museums, restaurants, festivals, shopping, and so much more. We hope you'll bring your bike, go for a ride, and check out all the region has to offer. Go to visitvbr.com for all things Virginia's Blue Ridge. Welcome back to the Rider Up Podcast, and Dan joining us now, we have an amazing guest today, Nicola Cranmer, who is the founder and executive director of the Virginia's Blue Ridge 2024 women's cycling team, and this is an amazing opportunity. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, it's great to be here. So, Dan, what do we want to know first? Oh man, I have a. I, I stayed up late last night uh, writing a note on my phone with a lot of questions because um, I'm I'm excited to learn more about Team 2024 and what you have going on for uh, the, the juniors and the adult athletes that are going to be calling this area their training home and and, and this year kind of uh, your home base. Well, let's not let's not undersell this. So we can't call you, and I know we can't call you the. Uh, Olympic training team, but right. for all intents and purposes, you're the Olympic training team for the United States women's team. Well, yeah, I mean, so I would definitely call us Olympic development pipeline for okay. sure. Okay. Um, we've been able to bring junior athletes through the ranks to become Olympic medalists, but also we've had juniors on the team and had them as professionals and sent them to Europe and they've raced for other teams and gone to the Olympics. But the team ourselves, um, the athletes have, uh, while they've been in the program over the last three Olympic cycles have won, I think it's 13 Olympic medals. 
for the U.S. Mm. Actually, a couple for Canada too. <laughs> well, you know, we'll take that North America. You know, yeah. <laughs> go North America, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. So you have just moved your base of operations here to Virginia's Blue Ridge. So uh, how do you like it so far? I love it. Apart from the fact that I never know how to dress. Um, <laughs> well, the weather's been sketchy so far. Yeah, but it, it's great. It's so beautiful. I feel very comfortable here. I've been made to feel very welcome here. I mean, honestly, I've been all over the world cycling and traveling with my team around the U.S., and I've never felt such a welcome from a community. And I can put my hand on my heart and say that. It's been amazing. Well, we are so happy to have you here. I'm, I'm wearing my VBR board member hat right now, so when I say we, you know, so we are we are just so excited to sponsor you and and mm-hmm. uh, and to be able to have you set up your base of operations here. So tell us about just generally, like what your training program is going to be here. But what what are your aspirations for these women right now? Like what what is what's going to be wheels on the ground for you guys? Well, you know, we are adjusting to a new schedule. Um, first of all, the last two years have been an odd couple of years in bike racing, as, as it has been for, for everything. And, you know, when our races shut down, um, we had to adjust and just kind of recalibrate what we were doing and, and how we were activating in communities and for our partnerships. So we were traditionally just strictly more of a road team with track race racers that raced on the road. Um, during COVID, um, we switched to gravel. So the team competed in a lot of gravel events, which was a, an absolute blast. I mean, it just, just took us all over the country into different venues and small towns that we never would have been to. Um, but now we're, you know, with Tokyo or sorry, Paris um, coming up in 2024, we're just going back to the road a little bit we have a hybrid schedule um some of our track athletes will be racing criteriums but they'll also do a little gravel um kind of mixing it up and we're in the phase where we're just trying to keep the athletes the professional athletes engaged um and psyched about paris Uh, for the juniors you know we've got a huge event coming up here in roanoke in june uh, which is the amateur national championships and what that means for junior cyclists, because it's also the, the junior national championships, is if you're in the 17, 18 age category, it's a very important event here. Mm. Um, because if you win the time trial or the road race, that's an automatic qualification for the world championship team, which then you'll represent your nation and go to Australia and race against the rest of the world. So, wow. you know, we've got a lot going on right here in town in the next few months. That's that's wild. That, that's something where we are hosting right here in, in Roanoke. That's, I, that's I mean, amazing. It, uh, I said it last week or last podcast, but I'm going to say it again. I'm telling you, we're on the we're on the edge of the wave. Like it's getting ready to start crashing down with more and more um, uh, cycling events and uh exciting developments and you know we might know some stuff on the inside which is really cool but just be prepared it's it's, it's going to be it's awesome. coming it's, it's just coming it's, yes. um yeah, i was looking at the team 2024 website uh to kind of be prepared for this and i see that you have you have road you have esports road um you have a development team uh you support mountain bike para uh cycling which is awesome um, what uh, is is there is there a limit on what you'll you'll do? <laughs> well, not really. I mean, I, I do like to make it hard for myself because it's definitely <laughs> a challenge having multi disciplines. Right. Um, you know, with scheduling and equipment and and all of that. But um, we don't actually have a cyclocross team at the moment. Mm-hmm. I used to have a cyclocross team. Yep. Um, UCI level, but. Right now, I'll stick with what, what we're doing. It's, gotcha. It keeps me busy enough. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, selfishly, I'm going to ask you, would you ever consider supporting a woman's, women's downhill? <laughs> Mountain bike. Mountain bike. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> You can say no. <laughs> no, no, because, you know, I, I don't say no. I, I am always open to opportunities, and, yeah, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a hard no. So, yeah, as a, uh, as a, uh, that is my forte. What I like is downhill or enduro riding, and um, I am on a single-minded mission to get more 
uh, more representation in that side of the sport, in the gravity side of the sport. So uh, I was when I was typing up questions last night. This is why I was like, I'm gonna hit her with this immediately. Okay, so you know, yeah, right, right <laughs> out of the race gate. Downhill. Did you? I used to race downhill. Tell me more about that. Yeah, really. Yeah. So when I moved to America from England in 1986, I moved to Marin County in That's California, great. birthplace yeah. of mountain biking. Birthplace yeah. of mountain biking, yeah. and. I was really lucky just to get swept up in that momentum. I wasn't a cyclist at that point. I was into horses. Okay. Um, but I met some guys, worked in a bike shop, and they were mountain bike racers. And, you know, it was very um, just early days. And they introduced me to some, you know, now legendary, you know, founding fathers of mountain biking in the area, like Gary Fisher and... Uh, Mark Slate, Charlie Cunningham. Wow. I mean, many people. The big names. The innovators. Big names, yeah. yeah. And and so these were my people all of a sudden. And so I was, my first um, team was DFL, which is... um, Yep. You know, got it. <laughs> X-rated name. And if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're curious, <laughs> yeah. you can look that up. No, just Google it. Just yeah. Google it. Yeah. In the Bay Area, and they still exist. They're just a club of guys and some women, yeah. um, and just kind of a rene- renegade team, outlaw team, um, and they put on some fun cross-dress cyclocross series in San Francisco <laughs> and things like that. But they're amazing people, and you know, then I um, raced for WTB. And they actually used to make bikes. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I was on a prototype called the Phoenix and uh, raced for them for a couple years. Um, And then after that, I decided, and, you know, I wasn't training to be a professional cyclist or anything. I just used to ride my bike a lot. Right. So I moved up through the ranks, and then it was like beginner, sport, expert, pro. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And raced cross-country, and then... um, I thought, you know, I really fancy doing downhill. And so I raced for Proflex, um, <laughs> a company awesome. out of Rhode Island, yeah. Woonsocket or something wow. like that. Yeah. yeah, and I still have my bike, that, believe it or not. Oh which my is, God, I'd love to see Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Which is in yeah. England in my mom's attic. Um, <laughs> so, you know, at the time it was like, pretty technology forward but when you look at it now I mean and even then I I raced the kamikaze on it and when I did my practice run I the the thing was going to fall apart I mean it was so clanky and you know had elastomer suspension which really wasn't suspension for that kind of descent no no and a Gervin fork which just kept bottoming out it was so noisy I was so terrified when I got to the bottom there's some real there's some real deep cuts in this story if you guys don't know uh, (laughs) what a uh, I guess I say Garvin but a fork uh, or a Proflex is um, or or the DFL team. Go Google some of this information because there's some really cool um, history in what Nicholas is saying. I love it. Yeah, so I know downhill mountain bike. Okay, uh-huh. So what's Gary Fisher like? Oh, he's awesome. Yeah? He, yeah, he is. He's. Um, I, met her, I met him at Sea Otter a couple really? of times. Really? Okay. I have to get him out here. I mean, he is... He's always been a character. He's yeah. flamboyant. Absolutely. Um, I met him. He's wearing a full tweed suit exactly. and diamond uh, sunglasses, and he had uh, his his mustache yeah. all waxed up. And he was uh, super warm and genuine, and just yeah. really nice for me. Uh, just walking up and saying, just, "Oh my gosh, Gary Fisher, can yeah. I shake your hand?" Yeah. He was incredibly yeah. nice. Yeah. One, uh, one thing I do want to mention about those early days in uh, mountain biking in the Bay Area was the Kosky brothers and. They go pretty unsung, and they look up the Kosky brothers, and they were actually really responsible for a lot of the advances in mountain biking back then. Um, wow. Yeah, and and they, you know, they didn't have such a sort of forward presence um, as some of the others did, like the WTB group and mm-hmm. um, Gary Fisher. But yeah, you can't kind of talk about those days without mentioning them. Yeah, I rode a Gary Fisher Paragon for a long time, twenty six inch, you know, hardtail. Yeah, my that first was... my first legitimate mountain bike uh-huh. was a Gary Fisher Tassahara. Okay, nice. um, this was like my that was my like gateway bike. Mine was an <laughs> right. Ibis Avion. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, very cool. Yeah. yeah, which was then a very small company. Yeah, very small. Yes, yeah, Scott and West West Siegler. Um, 
Yeah. You really have uh, – I, I love hearing your backstory. And I, we're going to talk a little bit more about Team 2024. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm like geeking out on your backstory with like the – you were in the right place at the right time in the cycling industry. And it's really cool how that has shaped your – like your future you're now because yeah. – uh, you came for something totally unrelated for to cycling. Yeah, horses to cycling. Horses to right? cycling. And then, oh, you, yeah. then you were a rider, but then all of a sudden you looked around at some point and said, there's an opportunity here to get women involved and to train women for the Olympic team yeah, or, or yeah. potentially. And now you're and now you're doing that. It's, yeah. it's, it's wild. I yeah. love uh, connecting those dots and seeing what it's, what it's taken to yeah. To get to this point, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, and mountain biking back then, and the moving a little forward to the '90s, they had huge sponsorship. I mean, it was on TV. Like Grendig was the main yeah. sponsor, and Volvo was a huge sponsor of mountain biking. And then it just fizzled out. Um, and I left the sport of cycling for a few years um, in the late '90s, early 2000s, and then picked it up again and started riding. Um, on the road I mean my passion was definitely mountain biking mm-hmm. and it was uh, my ex-husband his sister wanted to ride a century and she was not a cyclist mm-hmm. um, and she said oh can you start riding with me and show me what to do and build me up to this century so I just you know started riding and inadvertently got fit and joined a local uh, road team and it was a co-ed team and that's what inspired me ultimately to start a women's team because um, the women were doing really well on the team and winning local races and they were hard races in the Bay Area mm-hmm. lots of you know it was Webcore days and Tipco days and really strong athletes and um, you know the men were doing okay but they were getting all the support and it just yeah. pissed me off yeah. so I said right. I'm starting a right. women's team I Great. didn't even know what it meant honestly right. yeah. and the words left my mouth and then I'm like oh, now I better figure out what to do <laughs> yeah. yeah so I did and that's how it started very organically yeah yeah so because I can remember like Connie Carpenter back in the day won a gold medal mm-hmm. and she's married to Davis Finney mm-hmm. Uh, who I got to do a broadcast with once, um, but then so but the the American women have um, have done quite well, I guess probably since you took over and started. Uh, before then too, but you know, there's so many. You know, I I don't attribute people's success to me. I just basically I'm a platform for opportunity is how I look at it. I mean, there's so many other things that go into being a champion being a gold medalist and you know it's definitely not just about me it's it's about a whole team of people around those athletes but mm-hmm. i have continued to just be a platform for really high performance athletes to script their own season just have a little bit more latitude than another team would mix it up a little um we're not just a road team if jennifer valente who you know is a three-time olympic medalist mm-hmm. Um, just recently too in Tokyo she wants to do a gravel race awesome Um, she wants to do a mountain bike race great I mean after the Tokyo um, Olympics her and Jasmine During one of our um, Canadian athletes I said what do you want to do after Tokyo do you want to shut it down for the season do you want to do another bike race they both independently came to me and they hadn't talked to each other and said we want to do Leadville I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. all right. 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 So we have the track racers, both of them. Doing track Leadville. racers doing Leadville 100. So they did yeah. Leadville. That's yeah. awesome. Did they win? No, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's a whole different type of training. Yeah. I mean, that is like insane. But Jasmine did get a top 10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which, I mean, they're going from 250 meter track racing, right. yeah. racing yeah. to right. Leadville. Yeah. Yeah. Leadville is a monster. I just built, there's a bike sitting in the fit room behind us, and yeah. I just put it together for a guy who's going to race Leadville this year. Is that the S-Works? That S-Works. In That's there. a beautiful it's S-Works. A, I noticed it didn't have a price tag on it, so I thought it might it not is, be for sale. You probably don't know <laughs> how much that costs. <laughs> I know. I, um, I probably want to know. We can talk about that later. Uh-huh. We have another athlete on the team, Melissa Rollins, who's currently competing, but she'll start this weekend at Sea Otter in the... Lifetime Fitness Grand Prix, which is half gravel, half mountain bike, six race series, mm-hmm. um, and there's something like forty thousand dollar prize for the winner wow. of the overall. But her family 
and you look up her family, they're just like a legacy Leadville family. Her dad, I think, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but you get the idea. Um, I think her dad has raced Leadville maybe 21 times, oh her mom gosh. 16 times. That's wild. And she's done it three times, I think. And she got fifth or sixth last year. Um, she's improved her time every year by an hour, so I expect to see her on the podium this year. Right on. Yeah. That's what, awesome. is, what is her name? Melissa Rollins. And okay. her dad runs the Leadville Podcast, which is a great podcast. Okay. Oh, Check wow. Check it out. Okay. Very cool. We'll have, yeah. we'll have to listen to that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at, um, I mean, you have quite a list of Olympic medals uh, to the Team 2020. 2012, Team 2016, Team 2020. Kristen um, Armstrong. Kristen Armstrong. We have Lauren. Uh, I'm going to mess up all these names. Tamaya. Tamaya. Okay. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. Uh, Jasmine Deering. Yeah. Right? Um, that, there's some uh, gold, silver, and bronze right there. Uh, Kristen again with a gold uh, in Rio. Uh, Jamie Whitmore with a gold in, um, in Rio. And it just keeps going on. And, uh, you know, most recently, uh, Team 2020 in Tokyo, uh, Jennifer Valente with a gold. Uh, we have Anna Bronze. Anna Bronze, yep. yeah. Anna Bronze. Yeah. And um, Lee Davidson was on the team. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's incredible. We have some, some big name athletes that have uh, put in, and I, you're saying you're, you're a platform and I like the, I like the term foundation. Like you're the, mm-hmm. you're the thing everything's built off of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredibly important. I think you're selling yourself a little bit short to, uh, to an athlete uh, to be able to yeah. have a firm foundation to stand on. Yeah. Um, I'm a big like visual guy and right. that's like what I, I like to see. Yeah, you know, after Kristen won her first gold medal in Beijing, she and I met before that, and, you know, she said, I love what you're doing with junior athletes, and I want to be a part of what you're doing. So she became a part of our program um, right after that. And she was retired, of course, because she wanted to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And then she decided to come back, and this was the first time. Um, She's like cycling's version of Tom Brady. Right. Um, <laughs> Just retire, come back, retire, yeah. come back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she, um, she decided to come back. But at that point, you know, as a, a previous Olympic gold medalist and, or the reigning Olympic gold medalist, actually, um, she could have gone to any team. And I think one of the things that I am most proud of about our team is the fact that we really embrace balance and she looked at us, I mean, she could have got paid a lot more to race in Europe, but she would have been racing. Mm-hmm. She would have had to leave her family um, and go race in Europe. And she didn't want to do that. And she knew that she didn't need that to accomplish another gold medal. So she, you know, became an athlete um, on my team and she was amazing. And at the time she worked full time um, in healthcare in Idaho and she had a son and, you know, he came on the road with us um, when she came back and she was, you know, still, yeah, he was a, a baby. I mean, he couldn't even walk yet when yeah. he came on the road with us. And it was, it was actually great to have him around. Um, <laughs> but she chose our team because of the flexibility. She could control her schedule. She could be at home. She didn't have to race much. Just, you know, basically we looked at the selection criteria um, for the next Olympics, which was um, London and work backwards from there and it's like okay what is in that selection criteria what does she have to nail to get to that mm-hmm. Olympic squad yeah. right. and right. you know there were a few things and she went out and it didn't go as smoothly as, as planned um, but we knew we had a, a definite plan and we, we just call it mapping you know and, and just kind of going to that ultimate goal and working backwards and then Trying to trying to sort of nail those um, key events on the way, and like I said, it didn't work out so smoothly, but we got there in the end. But she well, chose the team for that reason. But, 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 so I mean, you're, so you're hooking us a little bit here. It didn't work out so smoothly. Did, <laughs> I mean, were there training hiccups? Did she get sick? Was there an injury? Um, oh yeah, and all um, the above arbitration, and you know, it's USA Cycling leaves, which is obviously the governing body of cycling, they kind of leave the door open for um, people to challenge the selection. 
So even though your country selects you to go and represent them, other athletes have the opportunity to say, I don't think that's fair. I think I should go. Gotcha. So any, you know, the process of going to the Olympics is stressful enough in, in itself. Never mind throwing in some arbitration. And it happens every cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, throwing in arbitration along the way is just something that the athlete has to deal with and pay for, by the way. So, well, like, so I'm thinking, like, uh, like, like we're going to select a marathon runner. Right. Okay. So we have a trial, and the top people go through, who, who, like, finish first and second in the trial. Yeah. But in cycling, it's not like well, that? Well, that's, that's an interesting point because it's not – the selection criteria has too many openings and Variables. gaps in it. Okay. Because it's not an Olympic trial. Whereas in the old days, like Connie Carpenter won an Olympic trial and went to the Olympics. Right. It's not like that. Even though it says, um, you know, if you, well, winning national championships in the time trial is not in the selection process, but finishing top three at world championships the year before is. Hmm. But if no American finishes top three and then, you know, Kristen Armstrong's fifth, which is what happened in one case, uh-huh. um, you know, that door is open because it doesn't say just because you're a top American. It says right. top three. So it's a lot Things of... Things like that. Re- right. Reading the rules and interpreting them the, the right yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But she got to the team. She got to the team, yes, wow. and nailed it. And I was there and it was amazing to be in the Olympics in my home country and, you know, it was an incredible experience. And Lucas was there as well. And... Yeah, one of my favorite moments in my history in cycling was in London because the whole reason she started this goal for London was because her husband said, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have your kid on the, or our son on the podium? Right. And um, that was a whole other story in itself of trying to actually get, she won the gold yeah. and then we're like, oh, right. we better get him you there. And it's not there. that easy. Yeah. It's not, you know, the security around Hampton Court and the podium presentation and trying to get in and there's, you know, special special forces and, I mean, it was insane, as, but we got him there. As team manager, how many diapers did you change personally? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Probing questions yeah, actually, on the Rider Up podcast. Actually quite a few. I bet. Really? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I have a great photo, too, of after, after um, the medal ceremony, we had to go to press and Kristen's in a taxi with me. She's got a gold medal dangling around her neck, and she's changing her son's diaper. That's and you have that picture? I do. That's incredible. Yeah. If you share that with us, we could put it in the show notes. We should. Yeah. Would Kristen yeah. be okay with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, it's yeah. Not, there's nothing, you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can just see what she's doing. Yeah. Well, but yeah. still, I mean, who wears a gold medal and changes a diaper? I know. That, that's got to be, uh, you know, one of the It was business as usual. Times, I mean, right? she yeah, finished you, the task you, at hand, and then it was you like... You don't stop being a mom, right? Back to being yeah. mom. You don't stop being a mom. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So so let's talk a little bit more about, so now you're here, your base of operations has moved to Virginia's Blue Mm -hmm. Ridge. You'll be here for three years at least. At least. (laughs) At least. So how does the, so if someone's thinking about getting in their car and riding their bike here, would you describe, and you've been all over the world, so what what is the terrain like here that you like, and describe it to somebody who's never seen it before? From your new eyes perspective, yeah. with, the, with the world perspective. Yeah, well, it actually reminds me of England, but not everyone's been to England. Um, but there's nothing flat here, um, which I quickly discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, I am more of like a flatlander. <laughs> but the punchy, rolly hills, which there are plenty of literally everywhere, mm-hmm. um, are perfect. I mean, it's... The roads are the road surfaces for one are really good. Um, I think it's because it's not that populated here, so there's not a lot of cars messing up. You know the country roads. Hear that, VDOT? Good job. Right. Yeah. Nice job. Really. As long as you like chip seal surfaces. Right. Chip yeah. Seal. Oh, yeah. they're great. But yeah. and a big shout out to VDOT for putting up the signs during our junior camp, which is amazing. Great. Safety signs. Yeah. Yes. Which I mean, the girls were so touched that it made them feel really special when good. they saw it. Our junior girls. Um, it was amazing. Um, so. Yeah, just beautiful countryside. Um, the cars have been 
really, really gracious. And, you know, when we were riding through some of the smaller towns, people were waving at us. Um, it was very different and very welcoming. Um, the, the media has done a really good job of alerting the community that we're in town. So I appreciate that. So people aren't wondering what just happened. Mm-hmm. This bunch of riders just rode by. Right. Yeah. Um, but I love it here. And it's great training roads. Um, already, actually, since we've announced being here, a Canadian team um, messaged me on Instagram and said, we saw that you were riding in this area and how great it was. And so we've done a little mini training camp here. And they messaged me on Instagram yesterday and asked for routes. Great. Um, so, yeah, they're here actually riding now and that, experiencing what we experienced. That's funny. Um, so a place I used to work uh, would host a a group from Quebec mm-hmm. and it was Team Centrifuge and um, the gentleman who runs that is named Mark Defour and they would come down because it's still snowy, roads yeah. are terrible up there right. and they wanted early season training and they chose, it, it, it's in Craig County and Bobatai counties where they rode the most, yeah. but they would come down for uh, four to six weeks mm-hmm. and they would have people coming in and out the entire time. Some would stay the whole time and some would go back to Quebec yeah. and um, they're everyday people and they're juniors and they're men's elite athletes that are racing in World Cups and stuff like that yeah. too. And so it's cool because you can see this evolution of um, of, pe- of people learning happen. how good it is. It right? will happen. I mean, a lot of Canadians right. go to Tucson at the moment. Yeah. Um, but the riding isn't as good there. Um, it's pretty limited. You've got guaranteed weather down there. Right. Yeah. But um, the roads here are endless. I mean, we we were uh, based at Camp Bethel for our junior camp recently, so we did all rides out mm-hmm. from there, yep. and it was perfect. I mean, we ended up on you know the, the Blue Ridge Parkway yep. and Fincastle area and Springwood Loop, and yep. it was honestly absolutely amazing riding and all the girls were exclaiming that every day oh this is so beautiful it's so green here and there aren't even leaves on the trees at the moment right. I was going to say yeah. Wait, yeah. come back in a month it's yeah. going to be even more amazing exactly yeah. so yeah I yeah. would say you know if you need climbs you've got climbs here obviously you don't have like mountaintop finish type of climbs right. but you've got some serious climbs here and um, you know you just go out on a two hour ride and you think you're going on a sort of a, a more flat route and you've done 2,000 feet of climbing yep. um, without hardly even knowing it. I think that's a, that's a pretty, pretty typical um, road ochre. If you ride mountain or you ride road, uh, you're going to get a minimum of 1,500 feet probably at about every ride. And but I, I, have, yeah, I have a loop from my house. It's 14 and a half miles, and it's 1,400 feet of climbing. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, right. what, that's when I have, a, you know, like a little over an hour yeah. to ride, you know, in the middle of the day. That's just yeah. like my training loop. And you, I mean, you just can't avoid the climbing. Here. No. I think it's great because, you know, you know, you just inadvertently get a little fitter by doing hills mm-hmm. and you have no choice. And I haven't explored the gravel roads yet. Um, I've been on some mountain bike trails um, up at Explore Park. And so I'm really excited to do that this summer and get out on some big gravel I'll, loops. You can come, come ride with me. I'll take you out to Carvins and show you some good stuff. Yeah, I, went out, I actually went out there oh, with great. Christine. Okay, yeah. great, yeah. great. Um, yeah, there's like you can literally throw a rock in any direction and you're going to hit a good trail or a good road or some good gravel and out west of us in, in Craig County there's some epic gravel um, I don't know if you've met Gordon Wadsworth yet um, mm-hmm. he's a local pro in the area fantastic guy and you want to find some good roads uh, good gravel roads talk to him he'll get you set up he'll get yeah. you straight yeah his nickname is Quadsworth, Quadsworth. oh I heard that and, yeah yes. and he's yeah he's amazing he's yeah guy. and Emily uh, Warner too I uh, want to connect with her Mm-hmm. And they're doing some gravel stuff out here. And she also made a cake for one of our girls. At <laughs> Great. Time, so. How cool is that? Yeah. So, you know, there's 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 so much to talk about. We're going to have to have I you know. come back. You have, a, you have a Nobel Peace Prize nominee that you are training yeah. with your team. Mm-hmm. Should we just go into that real quick? Sure, yeah. I mean, I mean... It's a bottomless pit of stuff I want to oh, ask yeah, you, and we only have so much time. I think I got three questions out of the probably twenty I have here. Okay, but well, let's. So, how often Nobel Peace Prize? What? T- yeah. Tell the, tell that story. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, so this is this is an interesting story, and and of course we don't know how it's going to end yet. Um, but two years ago, a gentleman in Boise, Idaho, where I was living, and uh, I still have a place there, um, reached out to me, an Afghan gentleman, and said, um, "Hey, would you and Kristen consider?" coaching a women's team in Kabul or just helping them, in, which is in Afghanistan. Um, and we said, yeah, we didn't know how that was going to look. Um, so we tried to formulate a plan and, you know, we said, oh, maybe they can all get on Zoom sessions with us or join, actually join in our junior Zoom sessions because they weren't at a professional level. Um, this, this was a group of women that were doing some local races and training together in, in Afghanistan. So, you know, they were lacking equipment and coaching and guidance. Um, even though they had a coach there, um, they really needed more. So we were trying to figure out how to do that. And, you know, even when we were having um, meetings on WhatsApp with the leadership there, the women that were, were trying to encourage us to, to participate, we faced challenges. I mean, just the internet wasn't working so well. We couldn't even have a WhatsApp call. Mm -hmm. So forget having a Zoom video right. session. So right. we were kind of muddling through all of this. And um, then we were talking about sending a couple of bikes to the top girls there because they were on equipment, sometimes didn't fit. Um, there was a lot of issues with, you know, there were plenty of people that wanted to help this group of women, but they would ship things over and then whoever would yeah. take them and yeah. the girls wouldn't even see them. Oh my God. So, you know, there were all these limitations and hurdles. So it kind of stalled out a little bit, to be honest, although I stayed in touch with everybody and um, just on WhatsApp message asking how they were and everything um, and just giving them little tips along so the way. So these are women cyclists in Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah, where where women are not highly regarded. No, and not to allowed say, to ride to bikes. Say the right, yeah. exactly so, not. So so there's what you're doing doing here is not just helping some athletes in a third worldish country. No. So what were the political ramifications, and what what ultimately happened then when the Taliban came into? Yeah. So these view? women these women had to um, ride. I mean, literally, they were fearing for their lives just riding a bicycle. And to us, you know, in, in the Western world, it's a rite of passage just learning how to ride a bike. We yep. all do it. Yep. And we take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And these women were not allowed to ride bikes um, and not allowed to show any skin on a bike or anything like that. And they would get rocks thrown at them and abuse yelled at them by men. So they had to um, truck out of town to ride in the desert. But then yeah. you were kind of moving into Taliban country when you were out of the city. Um, so that was just another risk, but they did it anyway, and they were determined, and Ruxar was the captain of the team, Ruxar Habibzeh, who um, I had met on WhatsApp. And, you know, she, she used cycling as a platform to just, she really wanted to, and she wasn't thinking this in global terms at the time, it was just, I want to show other Afghan girls that women can ride bikes. Women don't have to just be shut in a kitchen and, and cook all day mm -hmm. and have babies, yeah. which is literally their role there. Although, you know, in recent years, um, there were advancements, like women could attend university. She went to um, university for five years, and that's another pre, story. Pre-Taliban takeover. Pre-Taliban. Pre um, and there were women in sport, sports marketing, women um, in the media. And so things were slightly advancing for, for them. And um, then, of course, Taliban came back and really quickly our conversations went from you know how can you get better in cycling to how can you get out of Kabul because she would be a targeted targeted female um, as someone that was so outspoken um, so her her team was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize um, her and her team um, for what they did for women's rights um, for Asian women and uh, in a really short period of time um, so that's you know they they are very bold, brave women um, to stand up for their beliefs yeah. in that environment, yeah. and Incredible. then it just yeah. went from bad to worse. And 
she so during her exit i mean she was literally at the airport when um the isis bomb the suicide bomber went off um so she was there and and her story of just being being there at the airport at that time where they she had to wait for days outside the airport Mm -hmm. i mean there were multiple gates to go through not just the you know when it was before the um they shut down the um evacuation there were still multiple gates and and she kept saying these multiple gates i said what does that mean she said well you would have you would have to go through like um because there were still u.s forces there but you would have to go through taliban gates first and so you'd have to get through there and then you'd have to get through to get to an airplane to to an airplane literally so you know it's interesting because i when she describes the process i mean she she said she used a tactic where she acted hysterical it's you have to hear it from her but yeah she wasn't just because she tried to like please let me through yeah. and da, 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 it didn't work and so she just said i i was acting hysterical until they got tired of me and couldn't stand me being there anymore and let me through just go 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 wow. Wow. yeah but wow. she but i said to her i said you know we we can't we only know what we know here and she's there face to face with Taliban like having conversations with them and I said to her you know we just all have this image of what they are but these are humans these are people too these are you can't lump them all together right you there are individuals there are people that that's just their way of life that they were born into yeah the taliban yes and you take a man that he's a father Mm -hmm. he's a husband i mean we're talking like just because we don't agree with the the life that they all lead as people um it doesn't mean that you know we should judge all of them and i said did you have any interactions with the, the soldiers, the Taliban soldiers, and she said yes. She said this one man, when she was going through one of the gates, actually the final gate before she got into um, where the armed forces were. The U.S. Was, on the U.S. side. Uh, well, it's U.S. British. I mean, it was uh, they were right, all right, there, but friendlies, deviating people, quote yeah. unquote friendlies. Okay, yeah, yes, yeah. okay. And and so she said yeah. She said he he knew that the ISIS bomb was going to happen because somehow they know, right? And ISIS apparently is a lot worse than the Taliban. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she said, yeah, she said, yeah. I, I had a conversation with this man and he was terrified because he had to be there in his position, doing his job, knowing that happen. any person that walked by with a backpack could have been the suicide bomber. And she said, yeah, he, he was humanized in that moment for sure. her because... Huh. You know, yeah, that's just a, never would have thought of it's that. A that's guy, a, it's, you know? imagine just imagine living in a place and being afraid for your life or your or or your family or whatever to just go ride ride your bike, right? And then having the courage to not only do that but be successful, make your way out and right and and that's she, but, just wild. But she's in the United States now. She's she, she made it. The odd thing is, or the serendipitous thing is, she's in Virginia. Um, so the process is she she got out, um, and then she went to the Middle East, uh, where she was held for a few days. And then she went to Germany, and then she was kept for a couple of months in a military base, which was horrific experience for her. Oh, no. um, you're with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of refugees. Refugees. And right. you're in a giant tent. The conditions are poor, but she was still also at the same time. And I was communicating with her at this point um, because there were a couple of individuals. Um, this woman, Leanne, who was used to work for Outright Foundation, I think she's at Google now, was sending SIM cards to her. And she actually helped get Rooksar on an evacuation list um, to get out to begin with. And so we stayed in touch and we... I hadn't brought up this our team at this point, and she was already in the military base for a few months, and we were communicating, and I thought to myself, you know, I knew at this point she was coming to Virginia because her brother lives here. He fled the Taliban a while ago. He was the mayor of Kabul. Oh, my gosh. 
So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just found what this a, out what recently. What a wild wow. Yeah. So, so, you know, I said to her, I knew she was coming to Britain, and I said, hey, I know this sounds so frivolous at the moment because you're dealing with just these massive life challenges, but would you want to be on the team? I don't even know how you ride, you know, but we can work with, at least you would have something mentally to look forward to, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I just felt, you know, I'm like, I I don't know if I should bring it up or not because it just, just seems silly, you know, it's so insignificant compared to what she's going through. But, you know, it turns out when you talk to her, that moment was very pivotal and, just uplifting her spirit and having her feel like there was light at the end of the tunnel, right. you know, like something to look forward to. And yep. and who knows if she's going to be an Olympic level cyclist at this point. I mean, we have a long way to go. Doesn't matter, right? But, you know, at least, you know, she's here. She came to junior yep. camp. She has a long way to go. How old is she? 23. 23. That's yes. phenomenal. Yeah. That's a great. So we might be looking at... Um, LA 2028 and Paris 2023. What a great story and a great um, ending to that story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And um, I got to say, it's been really awesome to to talk to you and listen about this. And and I kind of alluded to this before, but um, I I want more representation in in cycling. um, For women. For women specifically. Yeah, sure. And I have uh, I, very near and dear to my heart. I have two little girls, uh, a girl dad, and my older one is a. Um, t- uh, this weekend, I'm just proud dad moment. Um, competed in her first downhill race. She did great um, against the boys. Against all boys, there's no other females in her class, and um, and she did awesome. And I was so so proud. And so when John said uh, I, we get to talk to you on the podcast. Um, that was uh, I was very excited to hear it because uh, what you've done is great, and I don't think I would have the same appreciation not being a girl dad. But um, but now being on this side of things and seeing it, it is like vitally important that we support these programs to uh, get more uh, more ladies in the sport and mm-hmm. uh, represented in at the highest level at all levels, but also at the highest level. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, I might have uh, might have to pick your ear about my little team and see if you have some advice you can give me. So, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, and, and that's one of the things about Virginia's Blue Ridge and Visit Virginia that, you know, I am super grateful for is that they chose a women's team yeah. and a very diverse women's team at that. I mean, they could have picked a men's team, which is most people's default. Sure. Um, right. Probably they, a, a whole lot of those uh, laying around waiting to, to, yeah. to pick up a sponsor. Yeah. 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 And, and they chose a women's team, which, um, you know, of course is very, to me, it's, uh, it's the best thing that could have happened to us. I mean, it's, it's such an incredible sponsorship and partnership and, I feel like I have like all these additional staff all of a sudden who are really invested in what we're doing and a community that's supportive. And I mean, I went into literally to Target and Fleet Feet and nobody knows me here except the press so far. People said to me, oh, you know, I saw your teams in town. This is amazing. How can we help? You know, and they were very sincere about it. And it's, um, yeah, very welcoming. We're very excited to have you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you get to. Nicola, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> thanks to Nicola for spending some time with us, uh, being so gracious with her time and her stories. It has been um, fantastic to hear from her. If you see Nicola out riding her bike, if you see the team out riding their bikes, um, you stop them, or if you can stop yeah. them, they're pretty fast. Um, right. yeah. Say hey, um, and welcome them to the area. They're excited to be here, and they are a great addition to Virginia's Blue Ridge. Yeah, we were just so excited, and and as you've said, the wave is crashing. The cycling right. opportunities is here. The you know the, I, we can't call them the Olympic team, but the you know the the Olympic hopeful team. The Olympic hopefuls. Yeah. Is, this is where they have chosen to ride their bikes and, and having Nicola here and, and have that resource and all the things she's doing is just great. Good luck, by the way, to your daughter. Yeah. With with her downhill downhilling. Yeah. Uh, proud proud dad. She, uh, she raced in the zero to 12 
uh, Cat 2-3 category at Windrock Bike Park for the Downhill Southeast this past weekend. Um, it was her first time at Windrock, first time on that track, and um, she she put a good run together. She tried hard all weekend. She swallowed all that nervous energy and fears, and uh, she performed, and I could not be more proud of her. So downhill awesome. team's going great. We'll have an update uh, on the next episode. Real quick, before you go today, I want to give you a quick update on some of the cycling events happening here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. I'll admit some of these are a ways out, but if your calendar is anything like mine, trying to schedule all your cycling activity and everything else life is throwing at you, you might want to pencil some of these in early, whether you want to participate or whether maybe you just want to be a spectator. But here they are real quick, the Carillion Clinic Ironman 70.3 Virginia's Blue Ridge. That's coming up on June 6th of 2022. And no matter what time of year you come, if you're into the cycling side, you might want to just come and do the, um, I think it's a 56-mile ride. Uh, from uh, uh, Carvin's Cove, which is a road bike ride and takes you up through the town of Buchanan and then the major climb, which is becoming more and more famous or infamous, uh, out of the town of Buchanan to the Blue Ridge Parkway and then back into downtown Roanoke. Um, so that's a ride that you might want to do any time of year just to say you did it. But anyway, the event itself is June 6, 2022. On June 29th, Virginia's Blue Ridge is hosting, get this, the 2022 Amateur National Road Championships. So that's something to look forward to. Come out and enjoy the races. Don't forget the Visit VBR Grand Fondo is on October 9th in beautiful Botetourt County. I've done it many, many times with several different distances, uh, depending upon your ambition. I'll be doing the 50-miler this year. And the Creature from Carvin's Cove Mountain Bike Race is coming up on October 16th, 2022. We'll have links to all the cycling activity in Virginia's Blue Ridge, as well as a deep dive into local cycling, some of the places you might want to go, stay, do whatever if you're listening from out of the region at bikevbr.com. And while you're at it, why don't you check out my personal cycling blog at carlandthecyclist.com. And you should definitely listen to our previous episode where Dan and I interviewed world champion and Team 2024 member Amanda Coker, who is just amazing but among all of her accolades she holds the record for riding the most miles in a year by any human averaging over 230 miles per day she rode over 80,000 miles in a single year she broke the record by over 10,000 miles and I think she averaged 20 miles an hour uh riding that many miles a day. Many people would work up to a double century and say they did it once. She did 230 miles every day. I'm just saying. Thanks again for listening to the Rider Up podcast presented by Virginia's Blue Ridge, America's East Coast mountain biking capital. All the information is in the show notes of the Rider Up podcast. For Dan Lucas, I'm John Carlin, and we hope to see you on your bike here in Virginia's Blue Ridge.